Put your threes up like a football team going into the fourth quarter. We go into our third and final hour of this week here on the morning after on a football Friday. It is happy hour here on the grid. Sirius XM channel 204. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. College football is going to be in full effect. We just previewed pretty much everything in hour number two. We talked postseason baseball and some NFL early leans in hour number one. Here in hour number three, happy hour. It is full-blown football with a little side of hockey for Benny and the Bets. That's coming up next with our great producers, Pitt, getting involved as well. But right now, the focus is football. Two West Coast teams playing in two pretty interesting games on the road on the East Coast of sorts this upcoming Sunday. And let's start with what I consider to be the game of the weekend and what you in the Fade the Public poll that is still currently ongoing on at SportsGrid on Twitter, you can vote on it. And that game being the Chargers on the road against the Baltimore Ravens. Now we have seen a little bit of line movement on this spread early this morning. Los Angeles now just a two and a half point underdog on the road against the Baltimore Ravens. This line opened up at three and a half in favor of Baltimore. Now past that key number of three, down to just two and a half on the Chargers. So if you were looking to lay the points with Baltimore, this might be your time. But here's what we have. Three of five games for the Baltimore Ravens this year have hit the over of a total that we have currently for this game at 51 and a half. Two of those three overs though for Baltimore came in games that were in overtime, which naturally leads to more points because you have extra time to score them. The Chargers just one of their five games hitting to the over despite being a top 10 scoring offense. And that game came last week when they scored 89 points combined against the Cleveland Browns. So that's what you should know from a total perspective for what might be the game of the weekend in the National Football League. From a spread perspective, the Chargers, again, a two-and-a-half-point underdog. The Ravens favored by two-and-a-half at home this upcoming Sunday in Baltimore. The Ravens this year, against the number, are just two-and-three, but they are 0-3 against the spread as a favorite, which they find themselves currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook for this Sunday's matchup against L.A. The Chargers, meanwhile, a team that is 4-1 against the spread, one of five teams in the NFL with a cover percentage of 80% or better. Just one of four teams with a 4-1 record against the number. The Chargers have been very profitable against the number so far this year. So that is the stage that is set for a great Sunday matchup against the Chargers and the Ravens. When you look at these two teams also in the grand picture of the AFC Conference, the Ravens have the third shortest odds to win the AFC currently at plus 480. The Chargers, the fifth best odds to win the AFC Conference Championship at plus 750. So two true AFC contenders in action in Baltimore on Sunday. The Chargers getting two and a half. The Ravens laying two and a half. The over-under total 51 and a half. One of my favorite props for the weekend, by the way, Justin Herbert over his passing attempts prop. Not out just yet on the FanDuel Sportsbook as of last check. But Justin Herbert has thrown the ball 38 times at least in all five of the Chargers games so far this year, averaging 41.4 passing attempts per game against the Baltimore Ravens team that has the fourth worst passing defense in the NFL, a team that is allowing opponents to throw on them more than 64% of the time. That is the third highest percentage in all of the NFL so far this year. So the Chargers, a West Coast team, 
hitting the road in an East Coast trip. That is also the case for the Los Angeles Rams. As we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here, the third hour of the morning after here on the grid. Or whenever you are listening to this, it could be just a great football day to get you set up for it here on TMA. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. A West Coast team making a trip east. The Los Angeles Rams laying a lofty number of nine against the New York Giants in MetLife Stadium in the Rutherford, New Jersey area coming up on Sunday. That is one of the biggest spreads of the entirety of the weekend. It opened up at nine and a half in favor of the Rams. It is dropped by a hook currently to nine for LA to lay on the road against the New York Giants. And the Giants have struggled this year, have so many injury concerns. No Saquon Barkley this weekend. Does not seem that Kenny Galladay will be available. What is the status of Daniel Jones at this current point in concussion protocol? Kadarius Toney, their stud rookie wide receiver, ejected from the last game after throwing a punch for the Giants against the Cowboys a weekend ago. So you have a Rams team that seems to be one of the best teams in the NFL right now, laying a big number, but the last time the Rams were a nine and a half point favorite, they covered that number the opening week of the year against the Chicago Bears. This is the biggest number the New York Giants have seen so far this season. Where I look in this game is at the total, and over under 48 and a half, but I look at a team total for the LA Rams that currently is 29 and a half on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm leaning the over for the Los Angeles Rams this upcoming Sunday against the Giants, a Giants defense that we expected to be to be good, but they are a bottom 10 defense in the NFL so far this year. They are also allowing opponents to throw for 270 yards against them. The Rams, the second best passing offense in the NFL this year, averaging more than 310 passing yards per game. So I look for Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby, anybody that Matthew Stafford has at his disposal to take advantage of this Giants defense on Sunday. I'm leaning an over for a team total for the Rams currently on FanDuel at 29 and a half. Coming up on the other side of the break, we take a pause on Football Friday because we ask, how do New Yorkers feel about football now that hockey season has started? Are we fired up for some puck? Let's hit the streets. Benny and the Vets is on the other side of the break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 204. I'm your host, Ben Stevens, all across the Sports Grid network. And on this Football Friday, we have some football breaking news. In the last two minutes, we have learned that Zach Ertz, the tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles, who caught a touchdown last night on Thursday Night Football against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, has been traded by the Eagles to the Arizona Cardinals, the last remaining unbeaten team in the NFL now has a new tight end option for Kyler Murray in that offense. The Cardinals lost their tight end, Max Williams, for the year earlier this week. 
So now Zach Ertz into the fold for Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, and a very potent offense for the Arizona Cardinals. The Eagles, as Adam Schefter is reporting, are sending the three-time Pro Bowler Zach Ertz to Arizona in exchange for cornerback Tay Gowan in a 2022 fifth-round pick. Zach Ertz has wanted a new contract with the Philadelphia Eagles. Might he get one in Arizona? For the time being, Kyler Murray has so many weapons at his offensive disposal for a team that is a perfect 5-0 this year and one of the top three scoring offenses in the NFL up until this point. The Cardinals getting three and a half on the road against the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. Zach Ertz won't be playing in that game, but soon will be a part of that already explosive offense for Arizona. Breaking news on a football Friday, but also on this football Friday here on the morning after, as we do every week. We hit the streets. We want to hear from you. Benny and the Bets goes out there, and he wants to know how you feel about a variety of subjects. We have talked college football. We have talked the NFL. We've talked love. We have talked baseball. This week, with hockey starting, we wanted to know how you feel, the people, about the NHL season and a new start for the year for the puck being dropped. So helping me to do that, as he does every week, is our fearless producer here on the morning after, Alex Fasano, who not only runs the show behind the scenes each and every day to make us look good, but he also is out there running the streets, bringing in people to talk to, hearing from the people themselves every week on Benny and the Bets. Fasano, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well, Ben. How about yourself? You know, I just want to say I was very nervous going into this week for Benny and the Bets because our fearless leader, you know, behind me, Greg Sussman, was uh, he's not the biggest hockey fan. So I was very wow. cautious to uh, to bring up a hockey topic, Benny and the Bets, this week. But we nailed it. We had a lot of fun, a lot of surprising hockey fans out there on the streets in New York City, more than we thought. Uh, nobody cares about hockey, as our fearless leader uh, oh, continually Greg. reiterates in my ear. <laughs> What are you going to do, right, Ben? Uh, but, hey, you know what? Let's take a deep breath. We got the breaking news. Now let's transition to everybody's favorite sport, hockey, when we take a look at Benny and the Bets. Madison Square Garden, the Mecca, the home of the New York Rangers. The puck has dropped on a new NHL season. So right here in the heart of Manhattan, New Yorkers have to be excited for their hockey, right? Sir, who do you think is the favorite to win the NHL Stanley Cup this year? No idea. I don't know anything about hockey. What we got, football? Hockey? Oh, I don't know hockey. No, I don't know hockey. I couldn't name a team. <laughs> uh, actually, I don't follow policy that much right now. Who do you think is going to win the Stanley Cup this year? Islanders. Why? Uh, New York. Rangers. Why? New York. Why? New York. San Jose Sharks, they're going to win, right? Blackhawks. Flyers. I want it to be the Philadelphia Flyers. Do you think they have a good chance of winning the cup this year? No. <laughs> uh, Tampa again. Sabres. Go Buffalo. Go Buffalo? <laughs> Buffalo? Oh, the New York Islanders, definitely. Are you kidding me? I'm an Islander fan, so I'm going to say Islanders. I got to go with the Islanders. Islanders. Go Isles! Unfortunately, the Islanders. Why unfortunately? Because I'm a Rangers fan. Go Islanders, baby. Captain's back. Captain's got back. Gotta get Lee. And they got a brand new arena that we're all excited to go to, which is going to rock. Madison Square Garden. Not no, even close. Do you think the Panthers and the Jets have a good shot of winning the championship this year? No. Which sport? Uh, yeah, they do. Aren't, aren't there Panthers hockey team? No. 
We're going to play a quick quiz with famous hockey terms, and you're going to tell me what they mean. Light the lamp. Scoring a goal. Light the lamp. Um, I have no idea. Halloween's coming up, so you need to light the lamp. Score? Score a goal. Ooh, score a goal? Uh, is that when you get three assists? No, it's not. It's when you score a goal. <laughs> hat trick. It's a goal. I know that. A hat trick is uh, when you score three touchdowns. Three three goals, I guess? How many times? Uh, ooh, three times. A penalty and a goal? No, no, three goals. Oh, three goals. Uh, he couldn't even commit to the bit. <laughs> two. Only two? For the one they call the great one? Yeah. Do you think Wayne Gretzky is going to score 50 goals this year? Depends. I don't remember his record, but it's going to be a lot. How many goals do you think Wayne Gretzky is going to score this year? None. Why? It's retired. Apple. Big Apple. It's a hockey term? Apple. Sauce? I only know it's a fruit. I don't know. Assist. Sin bin. Oh, the sin bin is uh, when you uh, punch someone in the face. Penalty box? Uh -huh. You get thrown in the, uh, the side there, yeah? I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on TV. Sport. Sport. Jogging. Sports? I like that dance. For goal? <laughs> You're smarter yeah. than you think. Heck yeah. <laughs> oh, Ben, what, what are we going to do? We're just trying to spread some positivity and, and, and spread the hockey knowledge across the city, right? You know, that was a great, that was a great episode. I thought it was great. I had a lot of fun. The guy, by the way, who we interviewed towards the end, and I was asking him the hockey terms on the flashcards, and we were going through them, and I said, Apple. He goes, Big Apple. And then I said, Boarding, and he said, School. And then I said, Light the Lamp, and he said, Halloween's coming up, so you got to light. I lost it. I absolutely lost it. The creativity in that man's mind is incredible, incredible stuff. Oh my gosh, Ben! I mean, some of the best responses: apple sauce. Uh, a hat trick is when yeah. you score three oh. touchdowns. I mean, that was hysterical. But yeah. going off of that and playing off that, I figure I take advantage and take this opportunity to see oh, no. how well you know other hockey terms that I came oh, up no. with, and that are very popular slang uh, terms in the hockey world. So let's just ask, ask a couple here. Uh, we'll go with an easy one. Okay. This one is bucket. Bucket. <laughs> bucket. Is that what is you just a said? Slang term. Yes, bucket. Uh, bucket is the goal, the net. No, bucket is the helmet. It refers to the helmet on the, the hockey players' heads. Ah. They are all wearing buckets okay. out there on the ice. Let's okay, 0 for one. It's okay. We're gonna we're gonna bounce back. Barn burner. Barn burner is a great burner. game. Back and forth, we love it. Yes, high scoring game. Well done, Ben. See, all right, one for one. See, we're rolling one one and one. We're rolling. One out of two ain't bad. Yeah. Uh, top shelf. What is the top oh, shelf? Oh, come on. Where, where does mama keep the cookies? Top shelf when you hit the upper part of the net. There you go. Shoulders up to the crossbar on the net. Very good there, Ben. All right, two. Here's, here's another one. Five hole. What is the five, five hole? Five hole is to? the, if you were to do the diagram of a goaltender, it is between the legs, the underneath part, as when you find the back of the there net going go. under the, the goalie's pads there, if I'm not mistaken. See you, can see, you know you know your stuff there, Ben. Big Ten Ben, ben guy, Scott Stevens over here. Oh, uh, yeah, big hockey guy. Yeah, just like the guy right standing right behind me. Uh, continuing on, yeah. we're going to go with Bottle Rocket. Bottle Rocket, Ben. What does Bottle Rocket refer to? <laughs> I mean, I, I got no idea. I would guess like a really good uh, – hold on a second. Our intern, who's also down there in the producer pit, 
Andrew Bocci Galupo. Bocci, as we call him, is trying to give me the hints in my ear, Fasano. <laughs> Tell him to pipe down. I want this to be organic. I want people to understand either my lack of or my propensity for hockey knowledge. So, Drew, stop. Bottle rocket. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Bottle rocket refers to when a, goal, a player takes a shot and hits the water bottle on top of the net behind the goalie. So it's a top shelf goal scoring hitting the bottle. But, Ben, you know your stuff there. There you go. Big 10 Ben. Look at his hockey knowledge. Come on. Everybody knows I'm a huge puck guy. Fasano. That was so much fun. We got to get to break, man. We only got a couple of seconds left here. Thank you, as always, for the great work that you do. Great chatting with you down in the producer pit. On the other side of the break, back to football. Football Friday, Jim Sonis' Sunday slate. That's up next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Right back here on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. It is happy hour. We are very happy to be joined as we are pretty much every single Friday by Jim Saunas from Number Fire and FanDuel to look ahead to the Sunday slate in the National Football League. It is happy hour, and you can take pride in that because Jim, one of the best handicappers out there. So when he gives you picks, you should be very, very happy. Jim Saunas, a pleasure to have you back here on the show. It is a pleasure to be here, Ben. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. I'm having a great football Friday. I'm looking forward to a great weekend in the NFL and, of course, college football as well. It is a great time of year on the sports calendar. So as we dive in, Jim, to this Sunday slate, a great game on the docket, an NFC North rivalry to the most bitter rivals in all of football, the Green Bay Packers on the road in Chicago take it on the Bears at Soldier Field. Jim, you sent in these picks earlier this morning. Green Bay was a five-and-a-half-point favorite. That moved in their favor from four-and-a-half last night. Now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, it's moved once again. Green Bay favored by six on the road in Chicago. What do you make of this line movement, and what does that mean to you? It's correct. I think that that is the correct way it should be moving. Ideally, you would have gotten in when it was a four and a half. I think that was the that was a, a no brainer to me. Once you get to six, then we're in some kind of funky territory because my numbers don't put a lot of weight on home field. It's a point and a half for me. And I think that I, you know, I mean, I think that's been good this year. It's been profitable for me. But like, doesn't make you a bit nervous and betting a lot of road teams, which I do tend to do. Once it gets to six, I've got that as uh, two points of value in favor of Green Bay. So I have it as an eight-point game. Mm. I'm not betting it at six. So with this number being at six, I'm okay staying away. Ideally, you got in before it got there. I, I think that if it's at six of your book, though, I would stay away. There's potential for this to move back. I, I do think that's a possibility. But the reason I'm interested in Green Bay is we're going to see Justin Fields open it up this week with no Damian Williams. Uh, with no uh, David Montgomery and against a, a Packers defense uh, that's or Packers offense, probably going to get put them in a hole. We're going to see Justin Fields air it out. I love Justin Fields, but this is not a situation we've seen him in in the past two games that Bill Lazor calling plays. So to me, the Packers are still the correct side, but if it's at six at your book, I'm staying away unless it moves back to five and a half. 
Yeah, Bill Lazor hasn't necessarily dialed it up for Justin Fields yet this year, but we can expect, hopefully, a more dynamic offense. Khalil Herbert, the rookie running back from Virginia Tech, the man they call Juice, will be alongside Justin Fields in that backfield Sunday in Chicago against the Green Bay Packers. Jim, more line movement in your next pick for Sonis' Sunday slate, but not in the favor of Green Bay like how you felt earlier working against the Dallas Cowboys on the road against the New England Patriots. The line has been anywhere near four, opened up at three and a half. Now it's just three in favor of Dallas on the road against New England in Foxborough. What do you make of that line movement, and what does it mean to you? Yeah, it's deja vu, Ben. Uh, I was in on the Cowboys back in week one against the Bucks. That never moved against me quite a bit. I bet at six and a half before the DAC injury, seven and a half again once that looked better, and then there was no Zach Martin. They covered there, so that was good. It doesn't feel good to have the line move against you, though. So I'm a little bit worried here because I did bet this one at four. So seeing it at three, to me, is concerning for sure. I don't know why it's moving this way because I've got the Cowboys pretty heavily favored here. I've got it 7.1 points in favor of Dallas because this offense is legit. The defense, probably a bit fluky. I don't think they'll be the third-ranked defense as they are in number fires metrics for the entire year because they're not going to get as many turnovers as they've gotten going forward. But... I still think that they will be a chaotic defense, which is fun. And I don't think that this this Patriots offense is as good as people have been billing it up to be. Once you adjust for schedule, they rank 30th by number of fires metrics. So it's a top five offense in Dallas facing a un, underwhelming, I would say, offense for New England. To me, I don't get why this is a three-point game. I mean, I'd probably hold off right now. Like, I would say that you might, maybe it moves, continues to move. Maybe we get this at better juice in minus three. It's minus 118 right now, uh, minus three. So I'd probably hold off for right now and see if you can get a better number by Sunday. I will bet this. I, I mean, I have bet this at four, but like if I were you, I would bet this still. Uh, but I'd see if this number continues to move, you can get a better number on Sunday. But either way, I would bet Dallas. I just hold off and see if this number continues to move. Yeah, it's been a very fascinating game really all week long because not only did the number open up at three in favor of Dallas, it got up to four, now back down to three. The total also opened up at 48. We saw it get all the way up to 52 for the over-under, currently at 50 and a half, and it's two polar opposites. Like Jim mentioned, the Cowboys, one of the top five scoring offenses in the league for their five games, hitting the over. The Patriots offense so far under Mac Jones, a bottom 10 offense, for their five games to the under. So what do we do with all this line movement? Maybe we await some more line movement entering Sunday at Foxborough between the Dallas Cowboys and the New England Patriots. One final note on Dallas, as Jim knows, the only remaining unbeaten team against the number in the NFL this year. Dallas, a perfect 5-0 ATS through the first five weeks of this NFL season. Jim, the next game that you're looking at, I think, is the game of the weekend. The Chargers on the road visiting the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore laying two and a half at home, but you're looking to a team total. Which team and what's the total? Yeah, I like the Chargers over 24 and a half points, which is minus 110 at FanDuel Sportsbook. And I think that this is a good way to attack this game because I think that the over is interesting in this game and I think that the Chargers spread is pretty interesting, but... Ben, that also means I'd be betting against Lamar, and I don't tend to like to do that. I'm okay with it if, if the number is good enough, but like that makes me a little uncomfortable. I'm not getting three anymore in this game, so I think the best way to go at this one is the Chargers over 24.5. I think this offense will move the football once again. The Ravens' defense ranked 20th overall this year based on number fires metrics. They're super banged up, and I think we've seen the effects of that with Carson Wentz being hyper-effective against them last week. They're now on short rest, having played 
in that primetime game. And I think that sets up for the Chargers offense move the football here. So I do have interest in the spread here with being two and a half. That's kind of scary for me. Do we have interest in the, the over here for the full game? But also there is some win to contend with as well. So to me, I think mm. the best route for attacking this one is taking the Chargers team total over 24 and a half and kind of safeguarding myself against Lamar, safeguarding myself a bit against the wind, but still getting action on a Chargers offense I expect to play well on Sunday. Jim, let's talk about that win because we were talking about it in the break leading into this segment and how important win might be for handicapping any game, a side, a total, whatever might happen for an NFL game on a Sunday. How much does wind affect your handicaps for NFL games? Yeah, I mean, you see in the betting market because, like, if you gave us the Cardinals-Browns game with in a dome, like, let's say it's in a dome with Kyler fully healthy and Rodney Hudson healthy, that totals 54. It's come down to 49. Yeah. I think that's correct. That is the way it should be moving based on the way things are in that game because wind does matter a lot. I think that my my like threshold is like 15 miles per hour. Obviously, it's a gradient. You know, it's not like, oh, once it goes from 14 to 15, a, a, a switch is flipped uh, or something like that. But like to me, that's where it gets super concerning. If I like an over in a game and I see the wind is there, I'm at least backing off and maybe not going to bet it. I do think, though, there are some situations where you can see an overreaction in the market. I, I love factoring in win, but sometimes things will crash a lot on Sunday morning. That's where you see a lot of movement with regards to weather. So to me, I do want to keep an eye on this Chargers game, on this the kind of the Browns game, I guess, uh, because it has come down a decent amount. If it gets to 48 on Sunday, then I might bite and take the over there just because these defenses, I think, maybe a bit overrated based on the way they played so far. So if you're looking for overreactions to win, that's where you get them on Sunday morning with things going on there. But I do think that early on the week, it's still worthwhile to take a look at these numbers because I'm pretty sure that's the reason why that Chargers or that Browns Cardinals number came down. Maybe it could make you think that it's a good time to buy in, but with that win where it's at, I think that line movement was justified for that game. Jim, will there be win for another large total on the board of 54 and a half for a game in Landover, Maryland between the Washington football team and the Kansas City Chiefs? That total, once again, 54 and a half. What's your approach to that number for the Chiefs and the football team? Yeah, there is wind there, 13 miles per hour. That's high enough to get like my attention, but not high enough to totally scare me off here. Just given the way these defenses are playing, I think that that sets up well. It's also a pretty fast-paced game, so you give me offenses that can, that can move the football, facing bad defenses, and a lot of pace, I can overcome wind concerns. Now, 54 is a key number, so having the hook here is a little bit concerning, but I do think that I'm still willing to take that just because I think this game actually probably should be closer to around 56 or so where it was initially this week. The numbers come down probably due to weather. If I had to guess, maybe due to Tyree kill, not being fully healthy, but either way, I think this game is just so hard for me to see this game not being super high scoring. The Chiefs can't afford to take their foot off the gas with how bad that defense is played. That means they're going to put up points when they need to. And I think when it's Andy Reid versus Jack Del Rio, that mismatch in coaching is going to favor a lot of offense here. But also, again, the Chiefs can't do a whole lot either defensively. So to me, even though there is at least one red flag via the, the key number, the proximity to the key number 54 and also close to 51 and the a little bit of wind here, I do still like the over 54 and a half and we'll take that at minus 110. The bottom two scoring defenses in the NFL. KC giving up over 32.5 points per game. Washington, maybe a little bit more surprisingly, giving up over 31 points per game. Quickly here, Jim, only about a minute left. Your two tight end touchdown props for this weekend are who and why do you like them? 
Yeah, I love Dalton Schultz and Mark Andrews. Andrews is just too long at plus 125 facing the Chargers. They really struggle versus tight ends. They limit deep balls, but don't limit tight ends. So I like Andrews at plus 125. Dalton Schultz plus 250. Uh, that's weird uh, given the role he's had in this offense and given the fact that I'd expect the Cowboys to play well and be fast here. I think that's just too long. So Dalton Schultz, Mark Andrews, two big bodies getting good roles right now. I think both those guys really good bets to find the end zone on Sunday. And they have both been targeted a ton by their respective quarterbacks in Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson. Jim Sonis, as always, thank you very much for your time. You can catch him at number fire and FanDuel, breaking down the NFL and a ton of other things as well. We always love the Sonis Sunday slate. And Jim, we will talk a week from now on another Football Friday. Coming up next, one of the sharpest men in Vegas, Yanni the Greek, joins us the show. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, Channel 204. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. And on these football Fridays, as often as we can, we try to give you the edge and opportunities all across the board for an NFL Week 6 slate. And that's what we have for this upcoming Sunday. How do we do that? We go to the sharpest people out there, some of the wisest minds in this entire industry. And joining us now, live from Las Vegas, it is Yanni the Greek to preview the NFL weekend. Yanni, great to have you back on the show on a football Friday. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I think I owe the show a couple winners because the last time I was on was week four, and I know that was a losing week for me. I say it all the time. I tell you when I win, I tell you when I lose. And so far, through five weeks of the NFL season, I'm a couple games under 500. But long term, I'm still well ahead um, in the NFL and for this year. So I think now, moving forward, it's time for us to start doing some damage. So hopefully we kick it off this week. Whether you follow or fade, I hope you make some money because I like some games this weekend. Yeah, Yanni, I think week six is going to be very profitable, and I appreciate that transparency. It's how you know you can trust Yanni in the advice and the handicapping that it gives out here on a football Friday on the morning after. So, Yanni, let's focus first on a couple of the totals that you like this week. What are those games and which sides are you going when it comes to those over-unders? All right, I want to start off with the Cleveland, Arizona, because I could also pass along a side position here. Now, when you think of Arizona, when you think of Cleveland, offense comes to mind, obviously. With all that said, it's the defensive side of the ball that's being overlooked. Both of these teams, if you look at defensive yards per play and more importantly, more important, excuse me, points per game allowed on the defensive side of the ball, it's very impressive for Arizona to be sick. And for Cleveland to be 11th tells you a lot because you got to remember during those seasons where you had a Kansas City, a Seattle that were top three in offense, the defense was always kind of lagging a little bit behind because when you're up three, four touchdowns, it's tough to go out there and and play your hardest. And a lot of times the, the metrics are, are skewed against those good teams on the defensive side of the ball. But for them to be this impressive just tells me how legit both defenses are. 
And this is the perfect storm for value because the narrative is offense. But more importantly, the odds makers have done such a good job of pricing both these teams. For Arizona to be 5-0 and against the spread and 2-3 and towards the under tells me they have a good grasp of the, the totals when it comes to Arizona and Cleveland because both these teams should have been profitable for overbetters and it hasn't been the case. So I went under 50. The market agrees with me. It's down to 49. I think there's still enough value there. I also bet Cleveland at minus two and a half. If, if it's through three, I probably would leave it alone. Most of the value has been extracted, especially since we're expecting a low scoring game. Each point matters more. So if you can't get three or better, I probably wouldn't piggyback that side. Uh, but I, full disclosure, I do have Cleveland as well. Uh, but I think there's more than enough EV on that under still for betters to take advantage of. Yanni, in the hat that you are wearing, the Dallas Cowboys on the road this week against the New England Patriots in Foxborough, that spread right now has actually worked against the Cowboys. Well, in fact, it was an open of three in favor of Dallas. It got up to four, Yanni, and now back down to three in favor of the Cowboys. But we have seen tons of movement on this over-under as well. An opener of 48 got all the way up to 52 in the middle of the week, now hovering right around that number of 50. What's your approach to the over-under for the game between the Cowboys and the Pats? This is one of those games where the books are definitely going to need the underdog. Dallas will be one of the most heavily one-sided bet teams, especially when you look at those later games. You have Arizona-Cleveland, Vegas-Denver, and Dallas-New England. Those are your choices to double up or catch up from the early games. So rest assured, <laughs> if you like New England, you could probably sit back and get some a better number as more Dallas risk will come to the books. Personally, I bet the game over. And it may sound very square to go over on a Dallas game or especially a New England game, but sometimes it really is that simple. I mean, when you're looking at Dallas, they're second in points per game. And you don't have a defense on the New England side of the football that's going to do much to stop that. And then even with New England, I think they're going to have some success scoring against this Dallas defense. Let's not forget that over the last four weeks, twice New England was able to put up 25 points. So I don't need all that much. I think this is going to be a competitive game. Again, Dallas is, is the one-sided uh side of the week for sure it's a team that scored 40 plus points in two of the last three weeks 30 plus points three straight weeks and outperformed the betting market more times than not a team like that's going to be overvalued but rather than take the new england side i went over and i think there's still some value just don't go over 51 higher than 51 i think we lost some of that value um but up until there i think we're gold I think that's a great point, too, from a public perspective. Even on Sunday, maybe even around 3 p.m. Eastern time, that game is going to have some action, possibly some potential line movement. You might be able oh, yeah. to find a better number depending on what side you want to back. Yanni, another great point right there. You also have a strong feel for the London game this week. The Jacksonville Jaguars back in a familiar territory across the pond in London. They're getting points against the Miami Dolphins. Yanni, what's the approach to this game between the Dolphins and the Jags? And here's another game that I'm going to share, a side and a total. That's why I wanted to get to it. And I know the viewers right now are like, this guy's crazy. He's going to bet the Jacksonville <laughs> Jaguars plus three and a half. 
Absolutely. I'm not betting Jacksonville. I'm fading the Miami Dolphins is what I'm doing. And my point is this, whether they're playing in England, in Miami, or on the moon, they have no business being a favorite over anybody. There is nothing in the metrics that show the Miami Dolphins should be higher than that key number of three against anyone. More or less, they shouldn't even be a favorite. Let's look at some of the metrics. The only thing that sticks out that's positive for Miami is that they've had a difficult strength of schedule. I give them that. But with all that said, you've done nothing. You've just got beaten by those better teams. Now, when you dig into the metrics, you look at Jacksonville, you're like, wait, they're 29th defensively in scoring allowed. They're 28th offensively in scoring. That's terrible. The only team worse than that is Miami. That's it. Look at yards <laughs> per play. The only team worse than Jacksonville, who's 28th and 30th respectively, is the Miami Dolphins, who are 30th and 32nd respectively in those metrics. So again, you could wait a little and give them a little bit of a pass for strength of schedule, it being more difficult, but they failed in every instance. They underperformed against the betting market. They were favored one time this year, and they lost that game outright by double digits. Can you just think about that? They were favored once by less than three points. Not only did they lose that game, but they lost by double digits. Again, what is this team favored for? No reason at all. Give me Jacksonville plus three and a half, and let's go over. I went over 45 and a half, over 46. That's what the betting syndicates got involved in. I think you're good over 47. This is has the epitome of high-scoring game. In London, we got lucky with that over last week. I think that trend continues. When you got poor teams, defense always lacks. It takes a lot more effort to play defense. And when you're 0 and 5, 1 and 4, respectively, I don't see a lot of effort on the defensive side of the ball. And again, all the metrics reflect that. So let's go Jacksonville plus three and a half, and let's go over as well and see if we could hit the side in the total in that game. Yeah, Yana, we've seen some movement on this number on FanDuel. That over-under total is 47. The spread right now is just three in favor of Miami. You tell us every week how important that key number of three is. So what do you make of that movement with the hook now falling off, and how should a casual sports better approach the key number of three? You always want to try to get the best of it. Now, when I, I, you know, it's no secret. I move for groups that, that, bet different sports and and need guys like me to get down for them. What I've learned is this, on a, a side like that where they're betting a plus three and a half, and if I'm going to piggyback that and it goes to three, the worst that happens for me if they cash is I push. I never want to take that bet if they're taking, let's say if they're laying minus two, I never want to lay the two and a half because they could push and I can lose. I never want to be in that position. Now, getting back to that key number of three, Again, long-term, the goal's got to be to get on the right side of it. Um, I don't think all that much is lost by taking it at plus three now as opposed to plus three and a half. Um, Again, that's a better number. But most were charging minus 120, minus 115 anyway for it. So, again, you're better off taking that three um, than laying the minus 120s or so. Any book that jacks up the price more than they should, you're better off just laying the 110. That's why I always urge bettors, don't buy points. Today, most books are savvy enough to know what every half point is worth. And on the three, they're not going to give you any kind of discount. You're going to pay 20, 30, 40 cents. And in your mind, you may think, 
okay, I'm not getting minus three and a half. I am getting minus three. No, you're not. If you're getting minus three, minus 140, you're laying minus three and a half, whether you like it or not. Um, so again, not to go on a ramp, but there's a PSA for you. Make it simple. Don't buy points ever because I'm seeing too much of that. Guys buying two points to bring a total down, buying two points to bring a spread down and laying up the minus 150 for that privilege. Again, the math just doesn't add up. You couldn't place a worse bet than that. So just don't buy points. I mean, Yanni, that's why we love having you here. It's not only giving out some picks and breaking down the slate, but it's also an educational process on what you should do as a sports better to be profitable based on a process all year long. So another spot on Sunday that I think both teams are looking to get right outside of the nation's capital, Washington hosting Kansas City, the Chiefs a six and a half point favorite. Yanni, both of these teams, one and four against the numbers so far this year, only about a minute and a half left here. Which side are you leaning on for Sunday? I laid the six and a half with the Kansas City Chiefs. I know it sounds square, but finally the market's corrected for the Chiefs not being the Chiefs of last season. And this is just the kind of team that the Chiefs are going to be able to put up a lot of points and, you know, make it a one-sided game. They've done this in the past. Washington's defense was supposed to be good, at least their front seven. None of the metrics after five weeks support that theory or that thesis. So I think Kansas City's finally going to get right this week and win by easily double digits. Don't tease this game. I know it looks attractive taking Kansas City all the way down to where they just have to win. You're getting no value, zero. By taking a six and a half all the way down to minus a half, you're getting nothing in, it in return. You're better off playing minus 110 than doing that and having the other side of the teaser i promise you that's what the math shows do not tease those sixes down the pick and think you're getting the best of it you're not only use teasers to go through three and seven or there's no use in using them at all so i'm on the chiefs laying the six and a half not teasing it you also saw there on yanni's card a monday night pick the buffalo bills laying five yanni doesn't just bring knowledge for sunday also for Monday Night Football as well. Yanni the Greek, live from Las Vegas, letting us know where the sharp money is and giving you the sharp plays. Yanni, as always, thanks so much for coming on the show. Have a great weekend. Thanks for having me, guys. Enjoy the games and cash them, don't trash them. I love that. That's a great model to end on. That's what we do here on Happy Hour on the Morning After. We give you our best bets for the weekend in Bye 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 coming up on the other side of this break. We're looking at that NFL board. Maybe a prop for your NFL Sunday. Stay with us here on The Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our week together here on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM Channel 204. I am Ben Stevens. What a fun week it has been, and we look forward to the NFL Sunday slate. Happy hour, one final pick on a Friday to send you into your weekend. It is time for our best bets. It is bye bye bye.
after all the greatness this week on Bye Bye Bye, if you're not bumping some NSYNC this weekend, you and I cannot be friends. But hopefully you at least tell me for this one. Justin Herbert and his passing attempts prop in the game of the weekend on the NFL Sunday slate, in my humble opinion, the Chargers and the Ravens. The Ravens laying two and a half at home, the over-under total 51 and a half. But here's the thing about Baltimore. Although Lamar Jackson has been stinking incredible this year, absolutely wonderful, so has Justin Herbert. And the Ravens' passing defense, fourth worst in the NFL in the amount of yardage they are giving up per game. Also, teams are taking advantage of that and throwing against the Ravens a ton. 64.5% of the plays the Ravens' defense has faced have come through the air. That is the third highest passing opponent percentage against a defense in all of the NFL. And what do the Chargers do? They throw the football. Justin Herbert is averaging 41.4 passing attempts per game so far. Never has had less than 38 passing attempts in any of the five games for the Chargers so far this year. So when the passing attempts prop on the FanDuel Sportsbook for Justin Herbert comes out ahead of Sunday's tilt against the Baltimore Ravens, we are taking the over. One final time, the Syracuse Orange getting 13 and a half at home is blatantly disrespectful on this Friday night. Orange on the money line, plus 440, or just take the 13 and a half points in the Carrier Dome against the Clemson Tigers. Syracuse 5 and 1 against the spread. Clemson 0 and 5 against the number against FBS opponents. We are sending you into your weekend. After your weekend is done, we will be right here. Same time, same place. 9 a.m. to noon Eastern each and every weekday. Join us on Monday on the grid. I am Ben Stevens. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204. We'll see you Monday right back here on Sportsbook. Are you one of us? We've just got one question. Do you like games?